0: Sometimes the big goal is is so overwhelming that you don't even want to take the first steps. But when you can chunk it down, it seems like it's always better to take action and do than sit on the sidelines and just think about doing.
1: What's up, you guys? My name is Mick Karshavski, and welcome to episode 100 of That Remote Life podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Guys, I cannot believe that this is episode 100 of this podcast. It's absolutely insane. It's mind-blowing that we have recorded so many episodes of this podcast, and I just wanted to, before we go into anything else, I just want to say thank you to you guys um, for listening or if you're watching this on YouTube for tuning in every week and watching because as fun as it is for me to do this and to talk with people every single week, I continue doing it because of you guys and it's been so amazing to even uh, you know get to know some of you guys. That has been one of the crazy things throughout this journey is that when you get started doing this at first, You know, you just assume that you're talking to a brick wall and nobody's really listening, uh, other than maybe like my mom and my parents, my wife. But it has been really amazing to get to meet some of you guys and get to talk to some of you guys that are listening to this podcast and to understand more about you. And it's just amazing to know that, you know, there's other people listening on the other side of this microphone. But I'm super excited um, to be doing this. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. For tuning in and listening. And uh, if you have been a longtime listener or a recent listener and you've never reached out, uh, definitely do so. I'd love to hear more from you guys. Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, that's usually the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, I'm at Mitkoca, Mitkoka, M-I-T-K-O-K-A. Uh, and i love to hear about you and why you listen. But just in general, I wanted to start off this podcast by saying thank you so much for listening. Um, but yeah, episode 100, it's insane that we started this back in uh, 2019. I believe it was May of 2019. And it feels like it was just yesterday. Like it feels like I haven't had this podcast for that long, but it has been almost two years um, of doing this podcast. And for this episode, you know, I was thinking for a while what to do, you know, for episode 100. It's kind of a special number. And I decided to actually invite my friend Jason Moore back on, who was the very first interview of this podcast. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to do a shoot the shit kind of episode where, uh, you know, we just kind of discussed the different things that are going on uh, right now, Uh, you know, kind of pick up where we left off uh, in the very first episode two years ago and talk about, you know, what is going on in his life, what are the things that are changing in his business, how have things affected, um, you know, how has this podcast affected my life, my work, my business, all of those things. And then we also talked a lot about some current event things, you know. Uh, We discussed some of the things that they're doing right now in their business with Location Indie. We talked about uh, podcasting in general, how it's helped him, how it's helped me. And we also discussed, um, you know, some of the interesting things that are happening in the digital nomad location-dependent business world uh, and how the coronavirus is affecting that and what we're going to think is going to happen with uh, the lifestyle, the community, and the the world in cities in general, because um, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but this is going to affect, I believe, and I think uh, Jason agrees with me, this is going to affect a lot about the way that we live our lives from now on. So I think this was a really fun episode uh, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys. But before we dive into that episode, I do want to let you guys know that my new community, Six Figure Nomad, is open right now. So if you head on over to thatremotelife.com forward slash six figures, all spelled out, you can learn more about the community and join if you're interested. And uh, we're doing it for the launch to celebrate the launch of the community. We're doing a special um, one-time-only price that will go away at the end of, I believe next week it's going to end. Uh, definitely head on over to the website and you're going to see when that uh, deadline is. But this is a price, a special price that will never be available again. I just wanted to kind of reward people that are going to join first for being early adopters, uh, for coming in and kind of you know being a part of it early on. So definitely head on over there and check that out. And if you're interested in wondering what this community is all about, The reason why I started was really two things. First of all, uh, I'm a big believer in learning more, but what I've noticed from working with a lot of other people that are trying to build businesses is that more knowledge isn't necessarily what people need. They need to understand how to put that knowledge into action. So this is not a course. This is not something that's going to teach you new things. Instead, what we're going to do is use a case study formula that, uh, top business schools like Harvard use to essentially train people to understand how to use the knowledge in business. And we're going to be doing uh, regularly scheduled case studies. I'm not exactly sure, to be honest, how often we're going to do this. We first started out thinking that we would do those weekly. However, um, it will likely be more like every other week because I think that there's going to be just too much otherwise uh, and not enough and that wouldn't give people enough time to actually look into the information presented in these case studies and digest it and kind of understand it. But so most likely these are going to be bi-weekly case studies of real like real world location independent businesses. And we're going to give you a never before seen behind the scenes look of these businesses, how they generate money, how are they built? What are the different things that those founders put in place to really get them uh, to that point? And then at the end of the case studies, the entrepreneur, the founder in question will present an issue that he's currently dealing with. And Every single uh, case study, we're going to have a call around to actually get to discuss that problem and see what are the different ways that we can solve this issue in this founder's business. And as somebody participating in this, this is really going to train your problem-solving muscle in business. The same way that you go to the gym and you work out your abs or you know you do bench pressing or whatever it is that you do that trains your muscle to use it so that when you do need to use it it's been strengthened, and that's exactly what this is supposed to kind of uh you know represent is this ability to okay here's this problem in this person's business. let me use my problem solving skills, let me come up with new ideas. Uh, And it trains it so that when you need to use that muscle in your own business, which you're going to need 100%, it's there, it's ready for you, uh, and you've kind of trained it. Uh, And also, you're going to get to hear other people's perspective on how they would solve that problem. And I think that that will really help you understand uh, to help you see problems from different points of view and come up with creative ideas better. So that's the first reason why I started this community was to really – present these case studies of real online businesses so that you can see how they work, how they were put together, and then kind of train your problem-solving skills that you're going to 100% need uh, in running your business. And the second reason why I put this community together and why it's called Six Figure Nomad is that I don't believe that we're all meant to have these giant, you know, startups that you hear about online and in the news like Uber and whatnot. You know, I think that that takes a very specific type of skills and a type of personality. And I think there is a massive, massive, massive amount of luck involved in that. But what I do believe we can all do is create an amazing lifestyle business for ourselves that is earning six figures. And the reason why I focus on six figures and I talk about this in uh, the sales page for this community. So if you want to kind of read more in depth into it, head over to that page, uh, thatremotelife.com forward slash six figures, all spelled out, is that there have actually been studies done on what amount of money does it take for somebody to be actually happy. And these studies found that that number of, you know, where most people Um, you know, reported being the happiest is between 75 and $95,000 a year. Before that point, people tend to report, you know, being stressed or struggling with bills and that kind of stuff. And it seems like within that amount of money, people are kind of like, you know, they have money to spend on things that they want to. They're not necessarily worried about bills and so on and so forth. And it's interesting that that trend doesn't necessarily continue. So it's not like the more money that you earn past that point, Uh, the happier that you feel. In fact, uh, it tends to drop off. And it's likely because the more and more money that you earn past that point tends to correlate with more stress and stuff like that. So that's why uh, I'm focusing. I want everybody in this community to be able to learn from other founders, to build their own six-figure income, um, because it You know, studies show that that is when people are happiest. And that's why I put this community together. So if this sounds interesting to you, definitely head on over to thatremotelife.com forward slash six figures. And you can learn more about uh, what's going to be involved in this community, who we're looking for, and just decide if that's for you. But definitely uh, don't sleep on this. Don't, uh, you know, wait around to go and check it out because this special is only available for a limited time. And once uh, that time is gone, the price is going to immediately Uh, Go up. So head on over there and check it out thatremotelife.com forward slash six figures. But all right, you guys, uh, enough about that. I'm so thankful for you guys listening, uh, watching on YouTube, wherever you tune in. Uh, Thank you so much again. It's 100 episodes. I can't believe that we're here. And I'm really excited to see where the next 100 episodes take us. Uh, I think that we're about to uh, really have a big growth you know trajectory here because of a lot of the things that I'm working on and behind the scenes and also just things that are happening with the world I think that a lot more people are going to be joining your community and becoming location independent. So thank you again for being a part of this. But without further ado, guys, uh I'm so happy to have had my friend Jason Moore on to chat. So let's jump right into that interview and if you're interested to hearing any of the resources that we mentioned, Uh, during this interview or to get a, you know, kind of like a script of the show notes. You can find that at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 100. That's episode all spelled out followed by the number 100. All right, guys, that's it from me. I hope you enjoy this interview with Jason Moore. All right, Jason, welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
0: Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, Miko. It's, it's an honor to be back. Always good to oh, see your face.
1: I know, mate. Well, I feel you're making me feel a little underdressed. You have like a sweet hat on, and I'm over here in my sweats, you know? So,
0: well, you know, full transparency. I said, is this just going to be audio or are we going to do <laughs> video too? And you said, oh, no, I do video also. I said, well, let me get off like the food and milk stained shirt I have on from my two young kids and put something respectable on for your audience. So, uh, so they didn't have to stare at, um, you know, sloppy dad version of me, I guess.
1: <laughs> no, nah, man, you look good. You look good. Well, I do want to say, you know. Thank you, uh, thank you very
0: much. Thank you very yeah. much.
1: <laughs> yeah, so if if, uh, if people are just listening to this and not watching on YouTube, you don't get to see our pretty faces. So, you know, uh, so, and, and Jason sweet hat. But um, I do want to say, you know, thank you because um, we wanted to record this episode because this is episode 100 and you were the very first interview when this, Show first started, so I was like, "Hey, like, let's catch up, let's see what's going on." And I thought it'd be fun to kind of uh shoot the shit and see what's happened since then. Um, Why do
0: I get this honor? I mean, I it's, seriously thank you and congratulations on 100 shows. Thank That's you. a huge deal. How, I mean, I just wanted to ask you how how has the experience been for you? If so, thinking back to like the first show versus the hundredth, now, like, how have you? How has the podcast maybe changed you as a person? Flipping the script here for a second.
1: No, it's it's totally fine. Um it's funny because I re-listened to that episode before this so that we could kind of that could kind of like review like what we talked about and kind of, you know, revisit some of the stuff. Um and I can definitely tell that my interviewing skills have improved. Uh I think I was you can definitely tell I'm pretty unsure and don't really know what's happening in that first interview. Uh, but the other thing I think beyond that to get a little bit meta of what the podcast has done is this is the first thing that I've done consistently for a long period of time. Like up until mm. the podcast, I've always done things for like a year, you know, maybe like six months. Like I'm not like very good with consistency and commitment when it comes down to these like business things. Yeah. Uh, and this has been like the thing that has by far been the thing that I've been the most consistent with. Mm. I think I've only missed like one or two weeks um that I haven't published and the results from that have been dramatic not even just from like it's not like the podcast has exploded but just the results of like showing up every single week without really skipping a beat and just like what that can do uh on its own in terms
0: in terms of your mindset you mean or
1: in terms of mindset but I also think in terms of like the way other people view you like it it's far more serious it appears far more professional um, you know, like, it's not like, oh, it's just this guy doing this weird thing. Like you do mm-hmm. kind of, even just by showing up regularly, it does,
0: Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, consistency does convey a certain level of professionalism, right? hmm and especially like
1: with the things that I want to be talking about and like you, like I do want to be having bigger and bigger conversations and I think like now that I'm like starting to get some guests on that, you know, a hundred episodes ago, they would have been like, looked at me and been like, no, like, I, you know, this, there's nothing to back up me spending my time on this, you know, like that mm-hmm. consistency, I think really like no one asks you and you know, this is like a podcast host. No one asks you, or at least no one's ever asked me, like how many downloads do you have? They kind of just go and like, see like, oh, they've been doing this for 50, 60, hundred episodes. They probably have their shit together so I can spend the time on this.
0: So who is your dream guest at this point? Or who's your next, who's the big fish that you want to fry up? Put it out there to the universe. Now, man,
1: the, the big fish. Uh, I mean, I think the big fish would be like, uh, it's funny. This is like, who would you have dinner with kind of question? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, I think Tim Ferriss would obviously be a big one. Naval Ravikant would be a big one. Uh, I think those would be like the big ones. And then obviously there's like the ones that are like, I've been trying to get Noah Kagan on for a while. He's just like a super busy guy and I've been in communication with him. But uh, that's kind of like a really big person I've been trying to get on for a while. Hopefully uh, he comes on at some point. And then Peter Levels would be pretty sweet, but I know he kind of dodges doing interviews. So um, yeah, those are kind of like the big ones. What about you? Do you have anyone that's kind of like with the Zero to Travel that you're kind of, really shooting for but you haven't had on yet or i have
0: a, i have a hit list of course like all anybody. right okay,
1: give us some um, i shared my hit list what's your hit list well,
0: well you know my probably one of my bigger ones because he's been such an influence on on me as a young traveler or had been and still is is rick steves and um, i i want to get an interview with him in person that's like the other caveat right i have this caveat with swimming with the dolphins as well like, I refuse to pay to swim with the dolphins. I just I, to I want naturally. to swim with the dolphins, <laughs> but I want it to happen naturally, right? I don't want to interview Rick Steves over, uh, over Skype or Zoom. I want to interview him in some local cafe surrounded by travel books or something. You know, it's just, uh, uh, it'd be really cool. So, I, I thought maybe it would happen last summer, but then COVID hit. And, uh, well, we'll see. Only time Have will you- tell. you?
1: like have you talked with him like are you in conversations with him um i got
0: introduced to people on his team who set that up and uh he wasn't able to do it when i was going to be up in the pacific northwest because he was not going to be there so Mm -hmm. um but i I don't know i don't know if that was like that was a wasn't a forever no i don't think uh you know you just hang around long enough Mikko, and cool things will happen right i always
1: love when uh you get handed off to like i'll let my team figure this out and that's like i always love that like cuz it's funny i think like for most people that's kind of like oh shit like there's a team running this behind the scenes but i in my mind i'm always like all right how many filipino vAs do you have like running this do you know what i mean so but it is like uh you know i do think it's always funny when like the team figures it out like that's always been like a dream of mine to have a a team figure it out but
0: yeah yeah, it's, um. I don't know. I like to do the podcast stuff myself. There's something about reaching out personally. Mm. So I have refused to give up control over that part of it because I think especially for an interview show, uh, one of the big factors for listeners is your ability to curate guests, right? And if I started outsourcing that, then I feel like I'm losing control over the personal connection with that guest and also the curation. Uh, not, not that it can't be done, in in terms of outsourcing but it's something that i like to do i just i've always Mm -hmm. produced my own show in that way now i could like make a list and have people send the emails as well but when there are certain guests like some of the ones that you talked about or like you know somebody i really want on i think it's nice to just email them and i know it uh, takes time but i can then express myself in the way that's me as opposed to having somebody try to write in my you know my style or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Well, and like on that note, um, Nathan Hirsch, who's been on the on this podcast before, uh, he used to run a company called Free Up, which they. It was actually funny. I had him on the podcast, and Free Up is like an Upwork competitor, but far more mm. niche. Um, and uh, <laughs> I had him on the podcast, and then literally like the week after the interview, they announced they sold to the Hoth. So like, oh okay. you no, know, maybe it was uh i think that they announced okay no this is what it was we booked the interview i'm going on tangent here but we booked the interview and two days before the interview when i had already prepared they sold to the hoth i was like well this interview needs to change now because like this big thing happened in the company um but now he has a company called uh outsource school where they it's essentially it makes a lot of sense like you they helped you hire freelancers. And then now they have like a whole bunch of stuff around like how to actually work with freelancers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was talking with him because he has like an amazing outreach. Like he gets on tons and tons of podcasts and they made a course about that. And I, you know, forked over the, I don't know what it was like a hundred, 200 bucks just to see what, what they work with. And even in his process, he, he does the outreach, you know, somebody, he has like a whole process on like how people can find like how you can use a freelancer To find good shows for you to go on as a guest to to promote whatever it is that you're working on, but he's still the one doing the outreach. Just because, like, and I and I've always kind of toyed with that as like an idea. Like, is it okay if someone else reaches out on my behalf? Like, it doesn't seem like you're placing as much importance on it. If that makes sense?
0: Yeah, I think it's okay, but that's exactly how I feel about it, and that's why I do it personally. Of course, you can have somebody do it personally and make it look like you or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I like to. I just like. To do it personally, you know, and I think uh, when I get emails from other people that are booking guests, and I understand it. There are PR companies that, you know, they're trying to market a certain author's book, and that's what they do. That's their job. And you know, in certain circumstances, I, I, I totally get it. That's just the way the system's set up. But there's other times where it's like, yeah, there is a disconnect, right? You're not communicating directly with that person. So in mm-hmm. that way, sometimes it feels a little doesn't feel disingenuous or anything. It's just like you're one step removed. So you're like, all right, well, this is just some person that found my show. This exact individual doesn't really want to be on the show, you know? So that's why I like probably 95% of the emails that I get, or maybe 90% uh, of the guest requests I get don't usually end up coming on the show. Uh, But also part of that is I just, like you, you're trying to cover a set of diverse topics under one theme. So that just means sometimes it's timing too. Right. You like, you want to, you don't want to rehash the same thing you just did like three weeks ago again. So that might mean that a certain guest who's an expert on that topic doesn't come on because we just talked about that, you know? So this is just I uh, I don't know. We're, we're jamming on podcasting here, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and I mean, like I, I
1: told you when you're coming on this, I was like, I just want to shoot the shit. Cause I think it'd be fun. Like, you know, we get to talk pretty often, but it's not like People get to listen in on our conversations. Um, But on that note, I will say if anybody's listening to this and like wants to get into the podcasting business or so, or like something around podcasting, I think there's a huge and there's a huge um, like, like spot in the market for somebody who does this sort of PR for people to get into podcasts well, because... Oh my god they are like some of the companies that do this are so bad i got an email the other day from a pr company trying to get a guest on the podcast and i'm not gonna mention any names Mm -hmm. who's already been on the podcast
0: oh yeah i've gotten that too and i'm like like
1: that is just like i feel like that is entry level like you should just do your like your homework like that's literally like the first thing is like, have they been on this podcast before? I feel like would be the first thing that you need to check. Um, (laughs) But interestingly, Jordan Harbinger made a really good point where he said, um, actually building, if you can find a few of those companies as a creator that are good and and represent good quality guests um, or personalities, building a relationship with them, Um, is really helpful because then they know, like if you provide them with the tools of like, hey, this is the sort of guests that I look for. When they get somebody they represent, they will just send them over to you. And I've actually started doing that with um, a company, um, specifically one of the agents in that PR company. And I kind of, um, and this is my second part of the question, but I have a checklist that is like my, hey, this is what we want out of guests. And it's like a little SOP. Um, and it, I use it for like whenever somebody sends something over to me and I'm kind of like, okay, let's see if this is the right person for the show. And Mm. I just provided that to them. Um, and then now they've sent over two people since then that, um, are going to be on the show that I think are really good fits.
0: So I don't know, do
1: you, have you ever done that or do you have that sort of checklist that you sort of like run guests past?
0: No, because the, it's a, for me, it's a it's sort of a, a feeling combination uh, in combination with a, a certain angle. Like if I think there's an interesting mm-hmm. angle that I can have a conversation around, then that's, it's, it's, it's like an intangible, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to ex- describe, I guess. It's just when I, I don't know, when I get a certain thing, then I'm like, Oh, this could be interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a, uh, I guess the, the checklist in my head would be first, like, is this going to provide value to the audience? And in what way? How mm-hmm. can we provide value to the audience through this conversation? Um, and if I can't figure that out, then it's probably a no. And once I figure out that angle there, then it's like, all right, am I going to be interested in having this conversation or like talking mm-hmm. about these things or, or what are some interesting things that are tangential that we can explore in, in this dialogue. And I never like, I don't like to, I like to prepare, but then I don't like to commit to that and, and have to ask all of those questions. I'm more than willing to go off script and see where things go. I mean, that just happened the other day, but uh, it's nice to have a sort of a general idea. And if it, the conversation doesn't naturally flow that way and it goes in uh, new and interesting directions, I mean, isn't that what makes conversations fun, right? right, right. Uh, so... Yeah. For me,
1: it's like, um, I have like a little, and this is just cause I'm a nerd about this stuff, but I have like a little SOP that actually asks those exact questions. Like, am I curious about this? Like how, like, what is the angle? Like how would the, you know, the, uh, listeners find this helpful. And I kind of like go through it into like prompts that I kind of like answer for myself to mm. see if like this would make a good show or mm. or not or if they wouldn't be a good fit or like you said like you know one of them is they're like have we covered this recently right like do we need yeah. to wait 6 months to do this so um i find that helpful just because it it standardizes the creation of what i think are valuable episodes if that yeah. makes sense
0: yeah another big thing for me is just making sure different voices are heard you know mm-hmm. so if i'm if i'm having the opportunity with the platform to Get somebody to come on and share different perspective uh one that you know i don't have or maybe a lot of listeners don't have uh it's just nice to have that platform to be able to facilitate those conversations because um stories matter and people's experiences matter and that's what i love about podcasting is you really get to you know i always say with audio it's like you know you could get on you could be like a youtuber and video is just a whole different thing, right? You kind of edit. It's all about sort of quick edits and entertainment. And and I feel like with audio, it's much harder to, you you kind of are who you are. Like you you can't really hide behind like hundreds and hundreds of hours of audio, right? Mm -hmm. Like not that there's not like a show element or that you're trying to put your best foot forward on, on your show, but it's still like, I feel like that's where the tight connection comes with the listeners because it's like, Oh, well they feel like they get to know you, but they, do get to know you because you're spending like hours and hours and hours together, you know? Right, right. Um, in some cases, maybe hundreds of hours. So, and you can't really, you know, you are who you are. I mean, if they hear you talking for hundreds of hours, you're going to get a sense of who that person is, and um, yeah, you either resonate with that or not. Just like in regular life, right? It's like some, well, and especially, and you're like, whoa, well, we're gonna have a great time. This is we're totally connecting, and other people, right, it's right. like, you know, well, that they're nice, but we just don't have like a connection to remain you know in touch or whatever so yeah yeah you know, maybe uh maybe in in some ways your podcast podcast subscription feed is kind of like your your friend's feed also in some ways i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah and i think also like the difference between podcasting and like video specifically youtube is that like i think a lot of youtubers really try to cater how long their content is for youtube right like i don't know if you know yeah, sure. who, like matt Diavella is but like All of his videos are like between eight and like nine and a half minutes. You know what I mean? Like, he really is that the optimal? I think it is. And I think it might also, I think it might also matter on like what type of videos you do, like your, um, like your audience. Mm. Um, but like podcasts are like, you know, 30 minutes plus to an hour, which definitely also like going to your point of like it helps you, it helps connect you with your audience more, even though I think video, because you can hear and see the person helps Mm -hmm. connect like the, like me with the audience better in some ways, but a podcast, people are expecting an hour uh, or 45 minutes, which I think is like, you know, like to your point, there's not this hard editing of like, let me take out these little things to make sure that I hit this like time uh, slot or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. I'm not knocking YouTube in any way. I think it's a right, really right. cool medium. It's just different. And mm-hmm. like you said, yeah, it's uh every podcast doesn't have to be a marathon conversation, but I like, I love audio. I love the interview format. I love that you don't have to put a limit on it really. And you can just have a natural conversation. It can come to a natural conclusion in some ways, Um but it's, uh, it's also, I don't know, something, I've always loved audio. I, I always loved taking, like, you go to a museum and you can, like, get the audio tour. I'd always get the audio tour. Because Do you can you? stand in front of a painting. Yeah, I always have. You know, you can stand in front of a painting and look at it, but then you can listen and have somebody describing it. And then sometimes, you know, certain audio, whether it's an audio tour or just audio in general, like, will take you to different places in your imagination as well. You might be hearing sounds and putting yourself there and you create the pictures as opposed mm-hmm. to having the pictures presented to you. And I like that about audio. It's a, in some ways it's imaginative.
1: I, so it's funny that you talk about the audio tours because um, I'd never done them. And then uh, we did it in, um, uh, oh my God, I can't believe it's escaping my name right now. The cathedral in Barcelona. What is, what is it called? it's the, i'm literally blanking uh, the, out right now the uh
0: the sangrada familia
1: yeah sagrada right? familia so we did it there and uh it was my first time doing it and i had this idea of like why am i carrying around this thing this seems stupid like i have a phone why why, why is this hardware thing here do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. we were gonna do all of these so sarah my wife and i we talked about us so i'm like why don't we do like a thing where you can buy these online and like the museums can do. So that was like a whole like thing that we were going to do. And then like we draw out this whole thing of like what it was going to look like as a business. And I sat down, I was like, I don't want to do this. This sounds like not what I want to spend my time doing, <laughs> but I think it's like wide open, especially if it's done in a way where I don't know if you've ever heard of museum hacks. Um, I think it's called museum hack. It's um Nick gray. He's kind of like an entrepreneurial personality um, I know he's friends with like Ramit Seti and um some of those people, but he had this uh company that they would do like museum tours, but they would like not be like museum tours. Like they would talk about like they would make it a little more like, you know, they wouldn't talk about like the year this painting was made, was blah blah blah. They'd be like the kind of talking about underground. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was fun, but um, like
0: this guy was getting wasted while he was making this painting and he was in right, a right, warehouse right. and blah, yeah. blah 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 or something like that. Yeah, I got it. Right. The the good stuff, you know. But anyways, um, to
1: kind of chat a little bit about, so one of the things I want to talk about was um, what has happened since the last time that we talked on this podcast. The last time that the episode went out, so this was the second episode, it went out on May 13th, 2019. So oh I thought it would be fun would be to kind of revisit what has happened since then obviously the big thing that's happened since then is COVID. So I think we can kind of leave that out to talk about it as like a separate thing. But right at that point, interestingly, we did the interview at a time when you had just hit five years of the podcast. So mm-hmm. you had just kind of crossed that line of, you know, doing the podcast five years. So has anything changed since you know, you're now past the five-year point. Like, is there anything new in the pod, in the podcast? Like, has your mindset changed in anything? Like, what are you looking to go into now? Like, where are you trying to take it? Just kind of curious where in your podcast world or. Yeah. Like what's happened with the business or anything like that? Like, are there any new developments?
0: Well, I mean, you cannot, you can't just set aside COVID. You can't.
1: Well, okay. So we were going to, I mean, we can dive into COVID because that's kind of the big thing, but I knew that we could like talk about that quite a bit. Like, obviously. Well, I'm mean, saying
0: you can't because yes, our, like our whole business changed because right. of COVID. So it's, uh, it's, it's like, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, the, probably the same thing happened to you or you, maybe not, maybe your business went up, maybe it stayed the same. Maybe you had to make some changes, uh, but it impacted almost everybody right, in terms of their business in some way, shape, or form, I feel, because it was such a huge event and still is. And for us, you know, we we have the community location indie, which is serving location-dependent entrepreneurs and travelers and people who are wanting to create businesses for themselves or are doing it and, and traveling so they can have that freedom. And, you know, I mean, that was almost, we felt like, We've been talking about this stuff for years i mean we've run the community for i don't know what it is now like five or six years or something mm. and um we were still we felt like all right not a lot of people are still talking about this stuff i mean you know you're talking about remote work where after covid it's like the remote work trend just accelerated to like infinity, right? Yeah. All of a sudden it was like, well, it was forced. And I think now companies are realizing, well, duh, like, yeah, we're still being productive. Why would we like pay for an office space? And now it's everything's changing much more rapidly than probably both you and I thought it was going was going to be the case, you know? So, you know, from that perspective, it was like, well, I started thinking, is being location independent even like a an outlier thing anymore? Isn't Mm. this just going to become the norm? Uh, kind of in some ways, or much quicker than than we thought. so um, so we just uh, basically changed changed around how we were going to bring people into the community because we wanted to create like uh, a community that uh, was filled with or is filled with people that are you know taking action and and kind of doing things. So we thought, well, if we create a training program, coaching program, people can go through that and then they can have the chance to stay in the community. And it's just, we know that maybe some people that weren't sure, you know, weren't sure what idea they were going to pursue, or, you know, maybe didn't start on their entrepreneurial journey yet have gotten started. And it just makes for a different kind of community in a way where it's a, it's more maybe interaction and connections from people that are actively running businesses. It's not like it wasn't that way before in some regards, but, Um, I think just by reversing that, it's just it is changing the community a little differently. And we also realized, well, you know, people, a lot of people have gotten a taste of remote work now. Like before it was like we were describing it to them and they didn't really know the benefits of it. Like they could hear us talk about it. But now they've like they have experienced the direct benefits of working remotely. They're like, well, some people hate it. They're like, this is terrible. This sucks. Other people are like. Oh my gosh, like I'm, I can't ever go back to an office again. Like, yeah, work from home, do this and that. Like, I have to do this. So, we're like, well, why don't we, you know, just continue helping the same people? But it's a little bit of a different angle. So, people that have full time jobs, we want to help them start a side hustle so they can eventually leave their nine to five job. Cause we don't want to tell anybody, just quit your job and go for it. Like, that's not always the smartest plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think the best way for transitioning to like a full time location independent entrepreneurial career is by starting a side hustle while you have a full-time job so you can build it up and you can sort of create your own net so when you leap there's a net there to catch you because you know it's there because you built it right right so that's uh that's the idea so that that was a total change because before we didn't have like a premium course and coaching program we had been talking about building one for 18 months and we had all the ideas and we had all the tools because we've been doing different exercises with the community for many years and we knew like what worked and what didn't. So it was just a matter of like COVID being like, all right, let's put this together now. And that's just for us, like it did the same thing that it did for remote work, right. It accelerated us in our business in terms of like creating a new product and getting it going. So, uh, it's been really cool and we're excited about the new direction and we still have the community, but we also have this training program. It's a coaching program. We've really enjoyed it. And, uh, Spoiler alert here, I think uh, when this episode goes live, we're actually, we launch the program like every few months and it's called Lifestyle Launch Academy. So like I just described, it's helping people take those steps to creating a side hustle so they can eventually leave their nine to five, creating that plan and, and getting through all those obstacles. So they're actually getting momentum and getting down that road. And um, you are going to be one of the coaches that's going to do some of the one on one coaching for uh, some of the students and we're a uh, super like excited and humbled that you you're joining us i'm humbled
1: yeah you guys reached (laughs) out to me so uh I'd, i'd be happy to do some of the coaching and i'm really excited it's like it's always fun to find something to do that like you would do for free and like like it's fun do you know what i mean like that's like always like the best thing is like if i can help people and it's something that i like i love so much and like, that I would just like shoot the shit anyways. You know, like it's uh, it's the best, but. Yes. Um, I don't want to like yeah, so I'm create
0: like some dramatic promo plug, but uh, people just heard that and they might be like, oh, I want to find like, I need help with that. And we want to serve people. So right. if you are somebody who is in a full-time job and you're like digging the remote work thing or you want to do it and you want to figure out how to start a side hustle so you can eventually leave your job, just go to location com slash academy and. When this episode goes live, you'll be able to read all about the program but uh it's it's only we only have the launch for one week and then we it's like an enrollment period and then we right. bring like a cohort through and then we do it again. but if it's not uh open when you're listening to this, then you can always sign up to keep in touch so anyway i sorry I don't want to sound too pluggy but I, I always I always hate when people like if you're somebody listening and you're like, "Oh that sounds really cool," and then they like don't tell you where to go you're just right, like right. Oh, well, and just-
1: I'll have a I'll have a link um in the in the uh, show notes of this episode. So uh people will be will be able to go over there and click it. So if they don't want to remember that or anything like that. But um yeah, no, I, I'm really excited for that. And I think that you guys have been doing I I mean, I tell about location in D and, and the course. Um I I've I've been through it, I've taken a look at it and it looks great. And I I, w- I literally always tell people about it. So um I think it's a great starting point for people who are, and I think you're totally right, like this like COVID literally poured gasoline on the fire of what we've been talking about. I mean, I remember, um, it was funny, actually, I was just thinking about this last night. I wrote this article about two years ago called, um, paraphrasing here. I don't remember my own articles names, but it was something about how like remote work could like really help the city of Cincinnati where I'm at at the moment with their like startup, um, like hopes and dreams and whatever, you know, like the Midwest is sort of this flyover. Everybody goes to Silicon Valley. Cincinnati's really trying to be like, hey, we also have startups come here. And I talked about how like remote work can really help with that because one of the problems that you'll hear with that is that people who are starting startups are really concerned about, okay, if I were to go to Ohio to start my startup and it fails, what am I going to do then? Right. Like in LA or in Silicon Valley, like, there's tons of opportunities for me and there are none in Ohio. Right. Like I'm going to have to like move again or whatever. Um, and I wrote this article about like, Hey, if you promote remote work, then these people can come here and then safely know that like, maybe they can be doing their startup on the side while working remotely with like, a, a startup in Silicon Valley, or if shit hits the fan, they can get a remote work, you know? And, and I was kind of talking about this future where everybody's going to be working remotely. And, you know, the people I got brought in, um, the people that kind of run the ecosystem saw the article and invited me in to talk. And I kind of like laid this world out where remote work was going to be for everyone. And they were kind of like, yeah, yeah, that sounds nice. But like, I don't really think that it aligned with like what they wanted to do. And then now everyone is talking about the fact that the Midwest is going to explode because of remote work. So I totally think that every, like, it's only starting. Like, I really think that what we thought would happen in 10 years is going to happen in the next two or three.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, If that's a... One of the probably many trends to come out of this that's that's changed, you know, and, and is rapidly moving towards something that it wasn't so rapidly moving towards before, right? Right. I, I don't know if two and two to three years, but yes, maybe. I mean, there's so many financial reasons why it could be in two to three years as well. You know, it's just it's just uh mathematically makes sense. You know, you're a big company. Like, why are you going to I, you know, this is totally kind of off topic, but this is going to impact a lot of un- other industries too. I mean, think mm-hmm. about the industry of commercial real estate, for example, and I, I'm not like a real estate expert. Maybe this sounds a little dramatic, but one of the things that I started, I'm I'm not very good at assessing financial products, but I started digging into some of these financial products. And I'm like, is there uh like a financial What do you product? mean by financial products? Like mutual funds, oh, okay. uh, you know, investment, gotcha, gotcha. investment, uh, strategies and, and products. And, uh, you know, I'm like, is there, a, is there like a product that hedges against uh, commercial real estate? And there is. And, you know, I'm not sure if I understand it enough to invest in it, but I really like the idea because who's going to rent big office buildings in the next right. five to 10 years? Like some companies will, but, and then throw on top of that, the the idea that, Uh, all right, well, now you're also bringing groups of people together not that, oh, there's going to be another pandemic. But, uh, you know, I don't know if the aversion to being in large groups is going to last, like what the residual effect of that is going to be or how long that's going to last. But I see like commercial real estate is just one example of another industry that's like, is that what's going to happen to all that commercial real estate if these companies aren't renting them or buying them?
1: It's interesting. I had rock Thomas on the podcast, uh, Rob uh, Thomas
0: from matchbox Twenty. Rock, rock rock. Oh, Thomas. sorry. Uh,
1: he's like, he's trained with, um, he's trained with Tony Robbins and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's done a lot of work in real estate. And when I had him on the podcast, one of the things that he said was, um, the thing that he's investing in now, because he's got a lot of investments in real estate and commercial real estate is that, what he's betting on is that a lot of these commercial spaces, specifically like the old Navy storefronts and whatnot, a lot of them are going to become distribution centers to where if a majority of, if a more, a majority of sales go even more into e-commerce and less and less people are actually going into the old Navy store, what's going to happen with those like spaces is that they're going to become fulfillment centers. The way that Amazon is essentially set up like, But how many
0: fulfillment centers can you have?
1: Well, yeah, but it's okay. So, I mean, the thing that I'm thinking about here is the way that like a 3PL works, right? Like a good 3PL, which would be a third-party logistics company, right? Is that the more distribution centers that you have, the quicker the delivery, right? That's why Amazon dominated is because they were able to spread them out. Now, the difficult thing with that is, is like, how does a small e-commerce store do that when you maybe don't have that much stock to spread it out like all over the country, right. right? Like you need to be pretty big to be able to spread out your 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 stock all over the country. But yeah, I agree with that. I don't think that it's gonna be like every Old Navy on every shopping mall is gonna be a a, a distribution center of some sorts. But I do understand what his thinking is. I'm really curious about what happens with office spaces, and I'm excited about it because I think it's gonna make the use of space more creative in cities. Like cities have been defined by office buildings. And now when yeah. you don't need them, I think that we can repurpose them for something that is used for the general public.
0: I love that idea. And I hate that a lot of US cities or towns or whatever seem to uh, they prioritize the economics of building over the aesthetic.
1: Yes. Right? Park and it's... Parking, parking structures. Like parking garages. Yeah. Oh my God. I think those are the dumbest things in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I live in Oslo, Norway. And I mean, I'm not saying it's the most beautiful city in the world or anything like that. But you can see as they build new things, in, in, in Europe in general, I think they take a lot more effort in making it nice. Spending more mm-hmm. money to make it look nice design-wise. And... That affects the energy of a city and the mood and um, the the long the long term approach to to city building and city planning. Right, is uh, what can help a city grow. Like, all right, they might be spending extra money now on this this and this project, but in five or ten years, you're going to see this look. This waterfront's going to look like this, and now. You're going to have tons of people wanting to come here. By the way, you know what I'm thinking about? I've always thought about like the old navies and the the pet smarts or whatever. The deserted pet smarts. Yeah. Here's here's my business idea. You ready? Roller skating rinks. Oh, no. Man, I love a good roller skating rink. Right? Chain of roller skating rinks, baby. (laughs) Come into your town. Come into a town near you. That's what I meant to say.
1: <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I don't know about the roller skating rings. Uh, I'll definitely not be your first customer. I can't think of I like the idea of me going somewhere and just falling on my ass repeatedly because mm-hmm. I don't know how to skate. Just does not sound appealing. Uh, but they so have I've always uh, avoided usually them.
0: you can hold like a. Like a, like a giant penguin thing yeah, or something on the much ice, better. you know, and go around and you don't have mm-hmm. to fall down. Don't worry, we'll, we'll come up <laughs> with a solution. Don't worry. So for me, I think it's um
1: when I was in Madrid a year ago, I think it was like a year ago. I don't know. It's tough to tell these things now. Um, But they had this, Um, I think it was an old parking garage, actually, or like an old, um, smaller office building. And that had gone abandoned. And then what they did was that they opened it up. I, I don't know if somebody bought it and repurposed it or like the city did it or whatever, but they repurposed it and they made it um, like tiny restaurants. So you'd go in there and it was still definitely like a parking garage or whatever the hell it was. I'm not quite sure. But it had like little booths that were set up around like this big open space where you could go and there were like different themed restaurants. So there was like a Portuguese restaurant, one that was like craft beer place. And like, you could just wander around Like, I would love to see that in these, like, office buildings that might go, might have, like, empty space. It's like, okay, like, what can we do that's, like, creative, that's, like, nice for the general public? um, That's maybe, like, this or some, I don't know, skating rink. Sure, let's throw that in there.
0: I'm telling you. No, I love repurposing. I love that concept. I mean, those are some of my favorite places, right? Like, they've taken, somebody's taken, like, an old gas station and they turned Mm -hmm. it into a brew pub. And now you have, like a big glass door where the garage used to be and there's pinball machines or whatever. These are like, uh, so many creative people out there doing incredible stuff with existing spaces. And that's what we need. We need those creative people to figure out what to do with these spaces. You know, it's like all these things are, they're fun ideas to talk about. I don't have a clue how to implement them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you know, it's not my, uh, it's not in my wheelhouse, but, uh, it's fun to think of a future where people maybe start prioritizing these things a little more yeah. in city planning. And uh, especially in the States, like the, the lack of ability to just walk or ride a bike is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I grew up in a suburb outside of Philadelphia. The downtown of my town was like, it's like a mile. From where my mom lives, you know, he <laughs> have to cross like this major bypass, and there's this big sign that says no walking. Like you're not literally legally, really, like allowed to cross, I guess because it's a sort of a big highway. But there's a traffic light there, and I'm like, can it ever right. be illegal to walk somewhere? Like, and you never, you would never see anybody walking, even though it's right, the town's right there. Like, it's just people don't do it, and I find it a little, uh, I don't know, I like to walk, I guess. So Yeah.
1: Well, I will say, I, I totally agree. And I think that was one of the really depressing things moving from Europe to the United States. Like when I moved to the US in 2004, I think that was still, like you hadn't gotten this resurgence of, I don't know, hipsterization of America that's kind of <laughs> happened. But with that hipsterization of America, there, like things have improved like um you know downtown Cincinnati I would have never gone to in 2004 2005 because like why would I do that mm-hmm. now like I love going to downtown and some of the neighborhoods that are around downtown have really like grown up and there's been a boom and there's been like young smart people who are urban planners who have said like Hey, we need bike lanes because like people don't want to drive cars in the city. So there is a little bit of that happening, but unfortunately I don't think it's big enough. And I think the the whole remote work thing is going to improve that because the other thing that I see happening, it isn't just that people are going to move from New York and LA, San Francisco to like other cities. I think what's going to happen is people are going to leave like secondary cities, like what I'd say, like Cincinnati. To tertiary cities like there's a city outside of Cincinnati about an hour away called Hamilton which has always been like it's a city but it's always been kind of like there there hasn't really been much there because Cincinnati has pulled any economic development away from it right like why would mm-hmm. you go to Hamilton when there's Cincinnati right there or the same thing with Dayton Ohio and I think these sort of cities are going to and people listening that might know Hamilton and Dayton are kind of going to laugh because like Hamilton's like a good city and like or Dayton is like a city and Hamilton really isn't. But like, I think those cities, those sort of like in the, in between cities are really going to have a boom now because people are going to be like, well, I don't want to be in a city. I want to go where it's more affordable and like have like Mm. a big plot of land or whatever. So I can, I see, I see the wealth and the economic development spreading out a bit more, if that makes sense. Like not being so Compressed in the city centers and kind of moving out, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Hmm. It's hard to say because you didn't ma-
1: think we were going to be talking about this when you came on this podcast, did you?
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. I love talking about sort of trends and speculating on where the world might be going, you know, uh, especially when it comes to this. I mean, we're, we're all about like sort of remote work and location independence and things like mm. that. And I mean, it's crazy to think that what happened with COVID was such it, it's has such a big impact on what we're talking about, what we've been talking about mm-hmm. you know, for for quite a while. And uh, this sort of felt like a sideline niche little bubble idea has just become like a mass idea. But I, I you know I don't know if I agree with that totally because I also think that there's there's this element of community that people crave, right? And we've mm-hmm. seen that with the community we run and you know you've seen that with COVID and people wanting to you know, jump on zoom calls and just be with other people. And and like, it's such an integral part of being human. So I feel like, you know, that's why like you called it the hipster hipsterization or whatever, but like the sort of the, Consolidation back to the city centers. Got people got spread out, spread out, and then people mm-hmm. started come back to the city centers. That compactness and convenience of kind of having everything close and you know a lot of people around and easy to meet up. Like I, I still think that community is such a an important thing. So when you're working remotely and you think about the average remote worker who's a lot of times just home on their own, especially now, um, you might have your colleagues and stuff, but it's all on the screen. You know, maybe you're going to want to move to a community where like. A, a community where some community is built in or a town mm-hmm. where some community is built in. So like one of the things that I think, you know, you mentioned these outlier towns, I think some of those, that some of that can be true for the right person, the person that just wants more space and they don't really care that much about seeing other people and they're just fine to like be at home a lot and not do a lot. But then you might have other people that are just like craving community, but they still have that situation where they're working remotely and they're by themselves. So what should they do well there is the possibility of these sort of i mean you've seen this with uh, other companies who have like hey sign up with us for a year and like you can travel around with like 30 other digital nomads and we're going to live in a different you know city in the world every month for a year or whatever and they, they there are these programs that mm-hmm. do this type of thing um that type of idea but maybe on like a bigger scale in certain communities so if Dayton Ohio said hey we have like this I don't want to call it like a commune because that's too like sort of cultish. But this idea of like an intentional community in a way where like, hey, you know, entrepreneurs, this is for like you. And like, we're going to have this sort of all these people that are like creating and doing these things are going to be like coming together in this place. And this is like not Silicon Valley, which happened to turn into that organically. But think about it as like a mini Silicon Valley where people will come and like little sort of Specialties might sprout up and people will know, hey, that's a place to go because they're supportive of, you know, this community, X, Y, or Z community. Like, I I don't know exactly how that will play out, but I think that could be another potential thing. I could see
1: like, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally know what you're talking about. And this is kind of like what I was thinking as well is like, I think there's an opportunity here for cities and towns. I don't think big cities can do this, but like smaller cities like, personal branding of cities where they can kind of say, like, I know Cleveland did this recently. Like, Cleveland, a few years back, dubbed themselves Blockland. Like, they wanted to attract, like, crypto businesses or, like, blockchain-based businesses to go there. And they're essentially saying, like, we can't compete with Silicon Valley in terms of just startups. But, like, we are wanting to specialize cater- and- exactly yeah. so can like we're niching consist- down as
0: a city <laughs>
1: exactly so like can these cities sort of like do that where they like niche in a way and say like and it doesn't have to be specifically just about business but like how can you niche down in different personality traits or different interests to be able to say like hey you can go anywhere
0: like it's funny it's funny to think about like a town full to of about, rock like, climbers yeah. really. <laughs> right like the mayor's like all right the riches are in the niches, guys and gals. We got <laughs> <laughs> to figure this out. We're like creating a business model for this city. And it's, yeah. kind of, yeah, it's kind of like that. But you see cities, not necessarily small cities, doing that in programs like you were talking about trying to create in Cincinnati a couple years ago. And now, I mean, I know you've done some videos on this, you know, with visa, see special remote mm-hmm. work visas and these things. This is what they're doing is they're like, like I just saw one the other day. I was like, man, if I like wasn't married with two kids and living in Norway and so far away right now. I would totally apply for this. And maybe with the podcast, I'd actually have a chance to get it because I know they're looking for press. But Which Hawaii one? Hawaii, oh, yeah. just announced this uh, thing where they're like allowing, like I think it's like 50 remote workers to come over it's and they're going to like... Yeah, it's something like that. It's a very small amount. But they're going to have like, they're going to like bring them over and let them, I think, live for free for like a month or two. And... Mm-hmm. I'm butchering the program because I read just read through it really quickly. but um, And like in exchange, they have to do a little volunteer work every week, which I think is a wonderful thing. But uh, they just wanted to start bringing people back to Hawaii. And it's like, you know, when Hawaii's got to do some marketing, you know, there's a problem. <laughs> so,
1: okay. So along that line, and we can kind of like, this is sort of going on like a sideways tangent. But I think that, you know, with every sort of recession or things that have happened like COVID, you know, like before it was 08, now it's COVID. Uh, There tends to be, yes, it's really, really difficult in the moment and a lot of terrible shit happens. But usually what it does is it creates opportunities. It opens up pockets of opportunity. And for me, one of the things that I've been thinking about, and this is sort of like, there's two kind of connected topics here, is all of these visas are popping up. And I think that there is an opportunity here for a business model where you essentially work with either cities as a consultant or countries to develop these sort of programs and remote visas. Because right now these countries don't know what they're doing. They're kind of rolling the dice, right? Like they don't, like I'm sure they're like gathering information, but they're not really, I think they're all kind of working independently and trying to figure out what's going to work best. But imagine if you were like, and maybe somebody listening can do this, you're a consultant that essentially consults countries or cities on creating remote visa kind of, or remote programs to kind of make it best as somebody who knows that, uh, yeah. I've seen it tossed around in a few forums and everyone kind of seems to be like, Hey, it's a great idea. I don't want to do this because it sounds terrible. And like, I don't want to deal with the bureaucracy of governments, but like somebody should do this. So like if anybody's well, listening- I mean,
0: there are companies already on the front lines, like they, you know, there are a lot of marketing companies that do marketing for tourism boards. For example, mm-hmm. they have partnerships with tourism boards. It's basically marketing or the tourism board itself is marketing for the country. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are entities that exist that could bring that into the mix as a strategy, you know, but I certainly, if you were like a remote work expert, I think that could be a thing too. You know, even if you were like a consultant to maybe some of those organizations or directly to the government itself, um, you said pockets of opportunities and I thought, uh, you could call them pocket unities. Ooh, nice. (laughs) pocketunities I, I don't know why <laughs> i, I think, just um, thought it was a funny word
1: <laughs> you know i also think this is kind welcome of welcome to the um,
0: pocketunities podcast where we give you pocket opportunities pockets of opportunities that'd
1: be a great like little short dance
0: loads of pocketunities
1: <laughs> that'd be like good little short episodes of like you know 10 minutes of like new opportunities that you see that'd be okay. nice well, um <laughs> have sorry, you heard gonna... about the new no but have you heard about the new internet country that safety wing is trying to start. Have you heard of this?
0: Uh, no, it sounds like a marketing gimmick. They so, are based well, in Oslo, they, by the way.
1: Are they really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I did not know that. I knew they were Norway. I didn't know they were. They would make sense to be Oslo if they were based in Norway. But um, so, Dave, I don't possibly- want to offend
0: anybody there because I haven't heard anything about it. But just right off the bat, I'm just <laughs> right, saying right, it right. sounded like a bit. But
1: so, yeah, okay, me- so they is this is like what Estonia
0: has been- been- done with the e visa. I don't think so. So okay. they've
1: been. And I haven't, they haven't really released that much information on it. I just saw that they have compiled a, uh, list of remote work and digital nomad personalities and are doing sort of like, a like panel to discuss like how to do this. They've written some blog posts and they've done some stuff on it before. And I'm having Sarah Sanders, who's the CTO of safety wing on the podcast soon. It might've happened before we released this episode, actually. But, uh, so people might be listening and be like, yeah, we already talked about this, but, uh, it's interesting because they've talked about this before and they've put up, I heard they put up 50 grand to kickstart essentially the creation of this, whatever it is, they want to do some sort of passport, um, to help people who are sort of like, well, I'm an American citizen, but I don't really spend any time there and kind of like trying to trying to navigate this weird legal battle that's happening or that I foresee happening with like, oh, you're a resident of this country, but you're paying taxes in that country, but you're spending time, you know what I mean? Like the sort of thing that we're kind of living at the moment,
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: interesting. I don't know. I think there's something there. Yeah.
0: But. Yeah. I mean, there are certainly a lot of shades of gray when it comes to the person that can move around at will. Mm-hmm. And doesn't necessarily have to be in their home country. You know, the United States is one of two countries in the world that taxes their citizens, globally. like even if they live, yeah, out of the uh, out of the country. So, the, you know, the internet country idea sounds. I, again, I, I speaking from somebody who just heard about it for the first time, but it's like one of those things. Like when you're going into business and you're like, uh, you, and say you're doing something that you know, like if Google did it, they could blow you out of the water, right? And it's like, well, you're always taking that risk. It's like, well, if Google just decides to do this one day, then like, I don't have a chance. It's kind of the same, right? Like if you start an internet country, governments can just be like, all right, well, we're just going to tax our citizens on that country too. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like it is, you know, governments still want their money. So governments will find a way to get their money. And, you know, the benefit of the internet country maybe is that uh, governments move slowly so maybe it'll buy you some time until they start figuring out how to get money as a resident of the the internet country. I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know anything about it, but I do know that governments always want their money and they usually are going to find a way to get their money. So,
1: yeah, you know, and this was like, cause I've thought about this before. I even own, uh, listen to this. I own the URL, uh, United Nomad Federation, Cause I've thought about mm. this before as like, mm. Hey, like it might be nice to have an organization that represents digital nomads on the global scale. Right. Now like, is that, like uh, are there sense. superheroes as a
0: part of that or is that just, no, but uh, it sounds superhero. Is there a spaceship I with, superheroes I thought it sounded Star Trekky. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah, it sounded yeah. Star Trek-y and Cool. Yeah.
1: Um, but I, <laughs> that's kind of like what I bumped into go. as well. was like, nice throw up the track sign. Yeah. <laughs> but Is yeah, It's like, it would be the thing where like, I mean, I don't think that US or Russia or China would be like, no, yeah, this is cool. That's fine. Go ahead. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see that happening. The same Mm -hmm. way that um, Gary Vaynerchuk was recently on this podcast called What Bitcoin Did. And it was really interesting. And I kind of posted about this because this guy was like a Bitcoin fanatic and was talking about how Bitcoin was going to take down these countries. And like, it was going to totally change things. And Gary V, who's, you know, from... Where is he from i'm I'm just escaping me now uh you know Eastern Bloc has like seen communism and you know that whole world and he's like no, they're not like they like if it comes to that point like China and the us and Russia aren't just gonna like bend over like they're going to like you know essentially find a way to like cut these things off or whatever so that was really interesting but um yeah, it's. I think that it's going to be really interesting because remote work kind of fuels all of that. Like the moment that you decouple your economic livelihood from like your living livelihood, things get a little weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think these are important ideas to talk about because I'm not poo-pooing the idea of the internet country, for example. But if you're staying on top of these trends, I'm talking to you, the listener, and and to us here having the conversation. It's like or the watcher, I guess, if you're on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, It's, uh, you know. Everything's happening in real time. So you can always look back and kind of see, look how much like change happened in the last five years or whatever. But like there were people that adopted that change earlier and that benefited them. Right. And then it became like sort of the new normal. And in order to kind of benefit from some of the changes that might take place, whether it's from like an investment standpoint, if you're looking like Bitcoin or something like that, even though that's sort of established now, but you you get the idea Bitcoin, you know, five or 10 years ago or whatever. you have to be willing to like be like, you have to be open to it and be willing to explore it and not poo poo everything. Like I just did. Right. It's like, it's like, uh, it can be a thing that works for you. And even if like governments figure out a way to take their money back, just using that example, it it might be not for like eight or 10 years. It might work for you for a really long time. You know what I mean? So I do think it's important to embrace this new world. Like, don't, don't look at it as the same world. Right. And we already know that, but like, but really embracing that gives me at least uh, a a more open mind where I can start seeing like, all right, well, like, what is, what does this mean for like where certain things are going? And if I'm looking at doing this, this, or this thing, let's look at like the realities of the world and where I think it's going right now. And where do these things fit into that? And do they fit into that? Mm -hmm. And is the smartest way to do it? Is it like the most innovative way to do it? Is it, Am I doing it in a way where it's like matching up with where things are going to be in three to five years? Like all these sort of questions, again, I'm just like all that sounds sort of like vagaries, but you get the idea, I think. it's it's you know it's taking an honest look at your worldview and the world itself and trying to understand where it's going to go. And nobody can ever know, right? But I think the people that are sometimes making these decisions where you're like, man, like, how did they know to to do that? And it's like, well, first, they had to be like open to it you know so i think that's a big thing that i'm just trying to embrace myself is to just be open to like the types of maybe investments or businesses i get involved with in the coming years uh, and just to understand if they have a chance at making it in like the new world Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and you know like we kind of went on a tangent there talking about like all of these possibilities and like things that could happen which is like fun as hell for me. Like, I'd love to like, you know, riff for hours on this, but I think all of that, like, doesn't really like matter if you're not in the position to take advantage of it. Right. And so like, that's why, like, you know, we've been pushing so much about like, Hey, start a business that's location independent because like, as these things develop, you're going to be in the best position to like benefit from them. Right. Like, like, what is that quote about relationships? It's like, dig the well before you're thirsty. Like, I think that's also a thing about, like, start that business now so that in five years when things are developed and maybe there's all these new opportunities and things, like, you can take part in them. Like, get that remote job, you know, so that, like, you can participate in this new world. Like, I think that, like, to kind of heading towards ending, if we were to say something actionable, I think it's, like, if you've been on the fence in terms of like remote work, whether that's like finding a remote job or starting a location, but in business, like, I think, I think you got to move. Like now is the time to do that. Like, like start doing that because I think in five years, if you look back and you hadn't taken action on that, now you're going to be like, shit, I kind of missed out because there's going to be a lot of opportunity created at the moment.
0: And if you go to locationindy.com slash academy, I just put that up for you like <laughs> on a flat or two. <laughs> uh, and Mikko can help you personally. Um, oh, that's right. No, I, I think, yeah, as far as the takeaway, it's, yeah, and sometimes like, that's why like, I'm all joking aside with the, the academy. It's like sometimes it's just taking the steps and that that's what's hard in the beginning. It's overwhelming to say like, we well, should just start yeah. that business is like a good idea, but it's also kind of overwhelming, right? For some people it's like, well, that's a big thing. Right. So let's break that down. Like, what does that, what does that mean? And like, ultimately if we were going to do like a catch on, maybe it's just starting something right. And figuring mm-hmm. out what that something is and then starting to take actions towards that something and small actions you know how it is like, that's, that's what gets you further down the road. And sometimes the big goal is, is so overwhelming that you don't even want to take the first steps, but when you can chunk it down and, and, I mean, a podcast could be an example of that. If you're starting a podcast, it's like, well, just, you know, maybe you're not starting the whole business now, but start a podcast, you know, like start the first episode, you know, write out the intro and record an episode and who cares if you never publish it, just see where it goes. You know, that would be an example of, um, just doing, I think you can learn so much just by doing, I'm not saying don't be thoughtful. Don't have, try to have a smart strategy and don't, um, yeah. Uh, Like I'm not saying just, fly by the seat of your pants all the time. But I am saying that it's always, seems like it's always better to kind of take action and do than sit on the sidelines and just think about doing.
1: Yeah. I think like doing is so important. And that's something that I've become a lot more bullish about is like just do it. Because like we can sit around and we can like strategize all day, but that strategy and that is gonna fly out the window the first moment that you get punched in the face, hypothetically, Mm. you know, like, not literally nobody's going to come and punch you in the face, but like when business and life punches you in the face, like that strategy is going to go out the window most times. Mm -hmm. So like, I think just getting in a pattern, and this is kind of like what I meant about why the podcast, this podcast has been so big for me is a consistency. Like every week I come here, no matter how life punches you in the face, the moment you kind of get those repetitions in, you don't want to have that first time when you break, right? Like Mm. when you see all those red X's on the calendar, you don't want to miss the one that's like, you know, you don't want to break that trend. So Mm. I think, yeah, just action is so important. And that's why this podcast has been so great, which is why I'm so happy to have had you back on. And because the very first episode, I don't think we talked about how this started, but we were at the DenX, the location, any meetup in Denver. And I talked about the fact that I want to start a podcast and you kind of put me on the spot and you said, I'll be your first guest. I have my recording equipment. Like, let's do it. Like, let's do this. Let's get this first episode out of the way. And even though we didn't record then, yeah, that's, uh, right. that's yeah, why I brought yeah. you back on to, you kind of put me on the spot and pushed me into it. So I, I did want to say thank you so much about that because who knows, uh, maybe I'm, I might not be here. If, uh, uh you, you know, would have, so. you
0: would have, but, uh, thank you for that. And, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm remembering that now. I was like, yeah, come on, let's go. Let's go record this thing. Yeah. Like, I know you got it. And uh, and of course, you blew it out of the water and you, you continue to do so. And I think it's uh really cool that you've well, thank you, gotten man. to your 100 shows, man. Congratulations. That's huge. And thank you for making me the guest of honor for number one
1: and number 100.
0: <laughs> hopefully i did a good enough job where i can be invited back for another well I, i'm not gonna put the pressure i'll say like all right yeah well, oh okay yeah we'll see you'll see in uh, 19 years all right great <laughs> now right, i know man. where i stand on this show no I'm kidding. Oh, so
1: I, um just to kind of wrap up um if people were interested what was that link again you said it was location in you forward slash academy just since we were just kind of talking about that okay i'll have that in the show notes um, so people can check that out, but, um, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. Uh, it's really fun too. Cause I mean, we talk pretty regularly, but it's, it's always different when you do it in a podcast form. Cause I think suddenly the conversation changes and it's, I don't know, it's a bit different than like when we're just shooting the shit on yeah. Slack or whatever. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's always fun to catch up.
0: It's always a blast to catch up with you, man. And, uh, thanks for your time. And thanks to everybody that's watching or listening. Have a great day we